Let's go back. This is called the message is the door. And, um, and I got this one word in prayer this week as I was walking through my week in prayer. And, uh, and I went to the de- definition of that in the dictionary. I love words. Who li- likes words? Who likes words? I love words and I love the online uh, dictionary. I don't have to carry this matter. It was the last Christmas present I got was a dictionary at 14 years of age. It was the last Christmas present I got off my father was a big dictionary. I was really blessed to get that dictionary. No, I was not. Not. I mean, has it come to this? 14 years of age, I got all this great stuff growing out. You know, all this great stuff. Bikes, mini bikes, great stuff. And then at the age of 14, right, son, no more, no more, you know kid stuff for you there's a dictionary and I think prophetically God was saying something to me and I tell you what with disgust I took that thing and I just buried it somewhere but somehow it always pops up every time I move and even when I lived as a single person it just always turn up this dictionary so God's speaking to me the door it says in a dictionary it says movable barrier for opening and closing an entrance a definition entrance to a room a building synonyms um Entry, entryway, exit, gate, gateway, mm. opening, portal, love that. There's another word similar, access, um, admission, means of entry, approach, admittance, approach, avenue, connection, connect, course, door, entrance, entry, entry in, ingress, introduction, key, open arms, open door, passage, path, road, route or route, way <laughs> and uh, i just love to get you know i love to get uh, d- dictionary definitions on words and i love that so when we say that the church should be a gateway it should be a door you can understand that when we come to church there is actually an opportunity to come into a reality into a reality we're not sitting here in 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 the natural reality of this building I mean, we're supposed to come as spirit-filled, faithed-up people to believe that we can transcend out of the natural and bring ourselves into, through a gateway, especially when we all come together and pray and we designate this place and this altar and this worship and, and all that brings us to a conclusion that right here, right now, there's a gateway into the supernatural. And, and let's look at that. Why, Pastor Phil? How can you be confident of that? I used to, I used to like a band called The Doors, and they had uh, it was a 60s band. They believed in mysticism, and, uh, and, and they had this conception, and they named the band by an Aldox Huxley book. I think it was called Doors of Perception, and uh, they got this title from this other quotation, if the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear to man as it is infinite. I mean, it was really, they really stepped into some, uh, for me, I I find it hard to listen to the Doors music now, but one of their key songs was break on through to the other side, break on through to the other side. And what they were saying, that that if you could get enough, um, you know, I guess if you could get get, get enough, uh, drug inducement, I, I wanted to say another word, but there's none. If you could induce yourself enough by this knowledge of mysticism and, and, and then you can induce yourself by drugs, you could actually step through into another reality. And that's where the hippies thought that, you know, being groovy, man, and checking out 
of the establishment checking out of the world, that that was a better reality than living in the world and uh, being under the oppression of the establishment. So there's a lot of mysticism in there, Eastern culture stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? And um, it really did, um, yeah, take off a lot. But God's ways are higher. Who knows that? Isaiah 55 verse 8, and if we've got the scriptures, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways. My ways declares the Lord. So the heavens are higher than the, than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I would love to show you how to create a door passage and a way into God's reality of healing, of salvation and blessing. And like I said, how to witness to people. I would love to do that in the practical and and I hope to get to that and I will. At least I'll give five minutes what I think can happen in a given moment in your world when you're out there in the community. What actually can happen in a almost a nanosecond that you can be standing in an opportunity where there is a door to witness to someone and to bless someone and to even believe for healing for that person. In fact, Jesus said he was the door. Is that right? In John 10.7, I'm just giving some scriptures to back all this up. John 10.7, and Jesus is actually establishing a spiritual truth that was already prevalent in the Old Testament, and he was already prophetically saying, this is what it's going to be like for the church that I will build. I am the door. So let's look at that. Then John 10, verse 7 to 10. I'm reading out of the King James Version. Then, G- the, then said Jesus unto them again, Very, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, he's, he's having a go at the religious leaders of the day who were trying to bring people to God in various other ways. Self-righteousness, human effort, whatever. And he's saying, guys, stop, stop, all that stuff. Stop. I am the door. You've got to believe in me. I am the way to the Father. I am the way, the truth, the life. Who believes in that? So this is what he's trying to say to these people. And, he, and he, then he goes on to say, it's a little bit rebuke, uh, verse 8, and all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door by me, if any man enter in. He shall be saved, thank you, Jesus, and shall go in and out, in and out. I like that, in and out, in and out. Why would he say that? Now, Jesus, we come through and we're in, aren't we? Aren't we in you and that in and out? Look, I'm, you can study that yourself, in and out, and, uh, and, and find pasture. Ten, which I think is worth reading, the next Uh, verse, the thief come not but for to steal, to kill and to destroy. I come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So he lays down the gauntlet in John 10.9 and he says there, you must enter through the doorway of me. You must enter through the doorway of the reality of who I am. Who can say amen to that? Mm. Yeah. Let's go to this because I want to crunch some of this stuff. Gates are mentioned in the Old Testament. There's a lot of references to it. So, and, and the references are in authority and power. Say authority and power. So in the Old Testament, the gates are rep- represented by in terms of authority and power. So let's take it back to the local church. If there's gates here, there's power and authority right here to do business for God. 
uh, but listen to this. This is powerful. I love this stuff, Jules. I love it. This is actually what the church is birthed in. This is actually what we birthed the church into through this vision of what a church could be, a gateway into God, a gateway into healing, a gateway into the supernatural presence of God. This is the very vision that Julie and I had for this church. Let's look at it. Let's hark back to the story of Jacob. Jacob, he's he's one of our forefathers and uh, he's a scallywag. He's on the run. He has a sleep. He has a a dream and he sees the dream. Did you get those pictures, guys, Louise? Did you get any of those pictures? I, I love those pictures. Can we put those pictures up just to help the people? I don't know what sort of pictures we got. I just threw some pictures in there. I thought, I thought they were great. So he has his sleep, and uh, he's set up anyway for a high calling, but he's running from it. He's a scallywag, and, um, and he has this vision of a place, a certain place. He calls it, this is none other than the house of God. How awesome is this place? Genesis 28:17. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And I love this. Um, oh, man, we're going to have to show that at night one night because you can't hardly see it. Is that right? Can't see it? You can't? And um, let's go back to that picture. Yeah, that's the scripture. That's, a, that's an important scripture, 28 verse 17. I believe that there is 21st century versions of Jacob that, <laughs> that and you can't see it, but there's, there's a staircase and the angels are going up into that corner. They are ascending and they're descending. They're ascending and descending, meaning that there's supernatural activity happening at a certain place where he is. And he sees it. He's dreaming and he goes, my God, this is God's house. This is a place where God is visiting. This is a portal. This is, man, this is amazing. I am amazed. And so I believe, yeah, I thought I'd put that for the girls because... I'm looking at Jacob here and he finds his sweetheart and, uh, and I just thought that was cute. That's for someone. That's for someone. Sorry, I just thought. I just, I just got to put that up. Now, this is Jacob. This is Jacob uh, wrestling with the angel. So, J- Jacob is he's on a windy road. He's, you know, he's got this bad legacy of being a usurper and lying and he stole his inheritance, but he's a strong guy. He's a prophet. Don't underestimate this guy. He's a God man at the end of the day. He has a, this, is, this guy is probably the most radically saved Old Testament figure in the Old Testament. He, if you want to understand salvation in the most, most powerful way, study Jacob of how that guy got saved and, and his journey. Because now he's come to a place where he's saying, I'm hearing God, I'm doing all right, but now God's going to break him even further. God's going to break him even further. And he wrestles with this angel. He said, no, I'm going to do it my way. And the angel says, no, would you let go? Would you let me have my way? And eventually we know that the angel uh, has his way. (laughs) So Jacob really is a 21st, central, a 21st century model of a leader in the 21st century where God eventually wants to get his way with leaders. And at the end of the day, we want a place, a certain place where it is a place where God can visit. I believe that, that whole 
experience, that whole dream is the blueprints for the modern day church. Amen? So let's look at this. Jesus connects these two words and um, for the sake of time, Matthew 17, in verse 18, he says, I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. So when I say build the church, I want you to imagine the church advancing like we did to advance to claim this land. We had to advance and claim the land, didn't we? But then Jesus says in the next instant, but the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not overcome it. So he's saying, on this planet, on this fallen planet, as you try and advance the gospel, as you try and, and, and advance the church and advance the kingdom of God, you will come against, you will come against things that will try and stop you. Whether they're gates of finances, gates of sickness, gates of poverty, gates of unbelief, those things will try and uh, I rang the Baptist uh, new young family uh, I think he's early 30s and they've C3 started the church out there and he said the heavens are like brass in Baptist a bit like Jay what Wyon was like in the first days when we started the church and it's just like oh my god it's just like and so I got in my heart when I'm doing this sermon to ring him and I said, hey, buddy, I don't really know you much, but I'm just feeling for you, young family, little kids down here. His kids played in two degrees soccer. Two degrees, yes, they played soccer. And he said, yeah, I've just come in from the coal. I said, man, I just got you on my heart and praying for you, believing for you that you have an open heaven, that, that you understand that we're praying for you, barracking for you. He said, yeah, man, it's really tough out here. You know, I haven't had a lot of visitors, not many salvations, just got a few people. And uh, I said, well, we're praying for you. I know what that feels like. I know what that feels like. And um, so I'm saying this, that God is so wanting us to understand this fact that there can be an open heaven or a shut heaven over your life, over your house, over this church. And, and, and I think this, that if we're going to advance our life and advance this church, we've got to recognize these gates. So help us, Pastor Phil. What are you saying? I'm saying this. Um, apparently the word gates in the original language can be defined as a structured closing or enclosure, a large opening through a wall or barrier created so that things can pass to another area, a new area. I love that. A gate opens the way into something. It is a passageway or a channel, an avenue. Gates, because of their function in the Old Testament cities, took on a symbolic meaning. Mm. Both the prophets and Christ himself used the symbolism. The Bible describes four functions of city gates during Old Testament times. One, a place that controlled access and provided strongly fortified protection. Two, uh, this is where the gates were in the particular city. I love the story of Samson. You notice that? Sam, this is the best gate story in the whole Testament. Ga Samson, he says, I, I think it's the Philistines' gates, is it not? And he says, <laughs> you think your gates are strong because gates were ornamental. They were a dramatic symbol to the enemy. You're not coming in, buddy. You're not coming in. Just like the, the rich have gates that are ornamental or or it's the same thing in the spirit. In the spirit, these gates exist. So Samson said, I'm going to... I've had it with these gates. They're resisting God's will. They're, 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 they're not akin to God's will and cause. And he, he mans up and he literally picks the gates up. He literally 
he moves the gates. He literally moves them and he walks them up. The, I love this. He walks them up the dragon. They go, the Philistines are just going, they're our gates. They're supposed to protect us. Those gates, that's where, where everything happens. That's where all the business happens. That's where all the stuff, the gates, the gates, the gates. And he walks them and he just plonks them down on this hill. And he says, there's your gates. There's, that's what I think of your gates. <laughs> Two, a place where legal or governmental leaders of the city sat so to hand down judicial decisions. These gates are important, see. See, they used to do business around these gates. Three, a place where business and social functions occurred, where business contracts were made and witnessed. Four, a place where prophetic messages were brought by the prophets and delivered by the elders of the sea. I think this stuff's fascinating. The gates are powerful symbols of God's authority over his people. As we see in the book of Isaiah, God's laws that keep his people and the spiritual health of the nation could be symbolized by the usage of the word gate. And I've got to give these scriptures. Isaiah 1, Isaiah 26, verse 2. Open the gates. Is it 1 Samuel or is it 1 Isaiah? It's Isaiah, sorry. It's Isaiah 26, verse 2. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter in, the nation that keeps faith. That's what we're trying to do now. We're trying to open the gates of the central coast. We're trying to, you know, lift up your gates, O your people, so that the King of glory may come in. And all these years, decades even, there's these gates been shut to the central coast. And there's been all this stuff happening like no other place in the nation, in this nation, the Central Coast has this unfortunate status of, 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 of fact that the church suffers and continues to suffer setback after setback on the Central Coast. But God's called us to be here and to open these gates. Is that, is that right? Samuel 6, uh, 60 verse 11, or is it Isaiah 60 verse 11? Your gates will always stand open. They will never be shut. So these are good gates. These are in the context of good gates. Your gates will be open. Thank goodness the gates are open. That's where God rules. They will never be shut day or night so that the man will bring you the wealth of the nations. Come on. Who knows? Our finances could be struggling right now because the gates have been shut on this church. Well, I declare that the gates of finances are being opened in this church. And if those gates are shut, gates of poverty, gates of lack, if they've been shut by the enemy, I declare, and I want you to declare right now that those gates are being opened so that the wealth will come in, that the wealth of the nations, uh, Isaiah 62, verse 10, pass through, pass through the gates. Ah, this is what we're saying through to the, to the people now, the, the people out there that need salvation. Pass through, pass through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway. That's what we're doing in prayer, is it not? Remove the stones. That's what we do in sanctification and dealing with our stuff. We're removing the stones. Raise a banner for the nations. Love that stuff. So they're good gates, but there's these bad gates, evil powers and warring against our souls and against the church that Christ is building. Let's have a look at this. Isaiah 30, Isaiah 38, verse 10. And these are bad gates. I said, in the prime of my life, must I go through the gates of death? So this guy's been robbed of his life early in his life. He says, must I go through those gates, the gates of death? You know, I'm being robbed of the rest of my years. So that's a, a huge connotation of being, you know, someone 
you know, losing their life way too young. Isaiah 45 verse 2, I will go before you and will level the mountains and I will break down the gates of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I'm just getting that Samson story right there. Jeremiah 51 58, this is what the Lord Almighty says, Babylon thick, Babylon's thick wall will be leveled and her high gates set on fire. When you read the story of uh, Nehemiah, it's all about gates, building the gates. Actually, there was a gate with a door within the gate. I love that. Got to study that. Matthew 16:18, a gate with a door within the gate. Love that. <laughs> Matthew 16:18, and I tell you that you are Peter on this rock. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I said that, and I and I'm going to cut to the chase. I believe that people are not looking for. A, you know, a church building. They're not looking for a smart speaker. They're not looking for better programs. They're not looking. The 21st century person is looking for a gateway into the supernatural. They're looking. Man, they're going to M&M because they know that M&M will provide some sort of reality check of a world that he's created through his song, through his words. And, and they're going to that concert and they're going to experience M&M. But I'm declaring that the 21st century is a gateway through Christ. And if we preach Christ and him crucified through the gospel, and if we declare him right here, right now, there is a doorway. I believe that, that Christ, who believes Christ, who believes Jesus, and I believe if we preach him and declare him and lift him up right here, right now, there's a doorway into healing, there's a doorway into salvation, and there's a doorway into miracles right here, right now. And I believe the 21st century person is not looking for a fancy pants church. They are looking for a portal. They're looking for a gateway. Why do they see the movies that they want to see? Why do we see Born? I mean, Born is a perfect because you go into that world. You're in there, man. You're on the run with him, man. You're just loving this thing. It's the greatest storytelling, the greatest effects, and the, and the greatest hunky, hunky man, you know, you know, leading you on into that great, great expedition, that great adventure. Why do we go to movies? I believe it is for that very reason, because we break on through to the other side. Break on, break on, break on through to the other side. And that's exactly what church should be like, should it not? Church should not be a place where we sit there in the natural, in the carnal, and abide, you know, just abide by nice sensible behavior no it's a place where we collectively bring our faith bring our bring our faith and say god there is a door open here the gates are open for me to come and to have something transpire in my life there's got to be a divine transaction in the people's life when they come to church otherwise we're just doing boring church and for me this is none other than the house of god a gateway to heaven now, I, just, I said I would. I'll give you something practical. And it's just one scripture. My time is gone. Let's look at this scripture just quickly. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives you six finds, and to him who knocks the door will be open. I believe that there are doors, certain doors, just... I believe that there are certain doors that you can knock on. I believe worship's very much like that. That's why I believe knocking. I believe knocking for me is lifting my hands. That's what I do anyway. I believe for me I'm knocking on heaven's door. When I lift up my hands, I'm knocking on heaven's door. I've never seen anyone come to my house and stand at my door and just go... Where is he? He's supposed to be home. 
sick beard. Does he know I'm here? I'm going. Nothing happened here. No, when someone comes to my door, especially a salesperson, they knock. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And I believe there's something in that scripture that says when you stand at the door of encountering God of seeing God move in your life if you knock if you knock I believe there's a demonstration of faith now when I'm in the community and I'm talking to someone and most of my time I have this huge backdrop of prayer and God and the word and it's all bubbling under me and it's ready it's like a modem yeah I'm talking about this talking about that I can talk about many subjects and then as I'm standing before this person I see I feel in an instant Sometimes in a second, there's a door. There's a door. And in, in that opportunity of feeling the door, the access into their life, I will boldly and confidently declare, in, in, a, in a, not a goofy way, but I'll say, you know what? I believe right now we could pray for that. I believe we could pray for your mother. We could pray for that need. Right now, I believe we... we and, and that's exactly what happened to Jamie. When I pray, I go, right, there's a door right in front of Jamie. There's a door right now. Right there, right in front of... Right. Step up to the door. Put your hand on her knee, which had a broken cartilage. Doctor said, needed surgery. And I said, I'm not standing for that. I'm going to believe for a doorway to heaven. I'm going to believe that there can be a divine a divine access provided by who? By who? Jesus. Jesus is the door. So the first thing I say when I approach Jamie, I look at the knee, my heart's grieved, I don't want her to have surgery. I go, Jesus. There's the door. Jesus, right now, I pray for healing and blessing and recovery to this to this leg. I'm asking for that cartilage to be reattached, to be healed. And you know what? I did that probably two, three, four times by faith. Just believe that there was that opportunity by that door, that access. And guess what happened? She got the report back this week and said that the doctor said through the MIR said that, um, what is it? MRI. Said that um, the tendon had supernaturally reattached itself. The cartilage. But that's got to, guys, that's got to happen here. There's a gateway. Jesus said, come in, come out, come in, it's all stand, God bless you. Come in, come out, come on. I got off this flight from Malaysia and I had this incredible pain in my leg on the flight. Who knows, you can get thrombosis on flights. And I had a vein in my leg was nearly popping out of my leg. I was in agony. My calf muscle went hard. I had heat. I had all the signs of thrombosis. And 
really in agony, couldn't sleep with the pain, couldn't walk on it, couldn't stretch, started to lose mobility of my leg. And, of course, Katrina said, Julie, it looks like you've got thrombosis. You've got to go to the doctor. And so I went, I was going to the doctor, had an appointment and everything like that. And we had the prayer meeting here the other day. And, I, and, and, and Katrina said, well, why don't we lay hands on your leg? You know, you're supposed to lay hands on the sick. And so the girls laid hands on me. And they prayed for me. I didn't feel anything. And they just continued to pray for other things. And I still sat in the chair for a minute and just waiting for the presence of God. And Jenny here... She just said, no, I just feel, she just felt in the spirit to keep laying hands on me. She just sat there. Now, she wasn't doing anything. Oh, shada, She wasn't doing anything weird. She just sat there with her hands on my leg. And the next minute, I felt it. it, it something shifted. And I felt the presence of God. I felt something go into my leg. And the pain completely left. And I stood up. I could move my leg. The swelling went down. The heat went away. I even was going to cancel the doctor's appointment. It was that good. But I thought, I'm going to go anyway. And he can tell me. So I go to the doctor and I said, you know, I had a, thought I might have thrombosis. You better check my leg out. Oh, no, it's real soft. There's no heat. You know, there's no swelling. There's no pain, Julie. You can move it really well. I don't think you got it. Go and have an ultrasound anyway. Ultrasound lady was really concerned. And when she did the ultrasound, she said, there's no, there's no thrombosis. There's no blood clot. Completely healed. And I knew that was because a little girl named Jenny, not a, not a pastor, not a preacher, but a little girl who said, I believe God can heal. I just... I think she found a gate and she came in and praised Jesus for that. Amen. Some people believe in the gate. Some people believe in the door. There's some people who don't and they never walk in. Like when they come to a prayer meeting, they never actually walk through the door and come into that place of the supernatural. When they come to church, they don't enter into that place of the supernatural. They don't do it in the community either. Like I said, there's doors at certain times when you're with a friend and you'll see that there's a door, there's an access. And it gives you great boldness to be able to speak to the person but to pray for them. I believe that. It happens in a moment and then the door shuts. If you don't act upon it, the door will shut and then you just go back to normal time. But there is a moment, it can be like a nanosecond where bang, there's a door open. Hey buddy, I just really feel right now there's authority and power to believe. Now you wouldn't say it like that, but hey buddy, I just felt, you know, right now I believe in Jesus that God wants to heal that knee. You know, I don't know what it is, but would you believe with me right now? Oh yeah, sure man, I even feel it. You'll even find, I find that the unbeliever feels and recognizes the moment even more than you do. You go, you know what? Because they're allowing you to pray. Why else would they? they? They push you back and go, no way, I don't want that. But you more than often find in that moment, and I found that when I've witnessed to my father, who's, you know, very, very obstinate and shut down in many ways, but I've had little moments where I've been able to look him in the eye and say, Jesus is Lord and you need him. And he's gone, yes, I hear that. And I believe you can do that with anyone. I believe you can do that with anyone. It's a door, it's an opportunity. I love this scripture too and it says this. The whole town gathered at the door, Mark 1.33, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. Well, I don't know what that door was, but there's something about doors in the scripture. So Father, help us recognize the door in this church, the gateway, because Lord, you're... Your prophet, Jacob, said he saw a certain place that had a gateway. Angels ascending and descending. This is none other than the house of God. You said in Scripture, Lord, that if we ask, we'll receive. If we knock, the door will be opened. 
And I believe if we start knocking, if we start knocking on the door of this church when we come to church Sunday mornings, if we start knocking and worshipping God and lifting the name of Jesus up, I believe that door will come into existence and this church will be a supernatural church. It just won't be a church in the natural. It will be a supernatural church. So, Father, right now, we declare that this church has a supernatural gateway into the things of God, that there are angels ascending and descending into this house on this altar. If you need healing, just stand there. I'm not going to lay hands on you, but right now I declare there's power and authority to do business in God. If you need a miracle, just stand on the altar. That's where it is. I believe the altar in the church is a place where miracles happen. I'm going to do this for two minutes, then you're going to walk away from that moment, but there's going to, have, there's going to be like a miracle seed planted in your life. So come out, come out of your seat right now, just stand there. Whatever the miracle you need, whatever you need to, to see transpire in your life, right now I play, pray supernatural miracles to be planted in your life as you stand right there in the gateway, in the doorway. Right now I'm praying, Lord God, divine